Halloween hoy, Noiros. Yeah, huh? That's not too shabby. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to the show. Out of the podcast episode uh, 94, huh? Here's some more. And here's uh, uh, Lunch Lady Dan here to give us a new helping. It's a couple scoops and a healthy helping. And Gentleman Joey here to say, uh, can I have some more, please, sir? <laughs> sure. That's why, that's why I brought this one to you. Oh, if you're talking about the dish you've served up today, sir. Wow. Wow. This is one for the menu. That's all I've got. I mean, it's been a hell of a menu, I would say. Thank you. I, I I try. Now that I've tasted all of the dishes, because I know what's coming next week, there's no surprises for me on that one. Mm-hmm. But, uh, Feeling good. You know, I felt like I just I had like a, a Michelin level quality of variety, you know? Yeah, definitely. I'm, I mean, I try not to tilt too much of my uh, feelings on this one just yet. But I mean, we're going to get into it. Oh, my God. Sure. It's it's kind of there's some small similarities with the plot with Nice a Thousand Eyes, but you know, it's kind of the very other different. End. Yeah, very it's different. the other end of the coin, but there's definitely yes. you could definitely do a, a double feature in many ways, like we did, you know. But uh, yeah. let's get into it. We're obviously talking about the amazing Mister X or the Spiritualist. It depends on how you're you're looking to play today. Mm-hmm. Uh, this was released July 29th, 1948, from our friends at Eagle Lion. They're back. They're Eagle Lion friends. always delivers something interesting. That's for damn sure. Hundred percent. That's why I always look forward to to doing this. They got a good lineup, and this was directed by Bernard Vorhouse, mm-hmm. and from a story from Crane Wilbur, who did He Walked by Night, so we're familiar with old Crane, mm-hmm. our friend Crane. <laughs> if only. <laughs> what a fucking name, huh? Crane Wilbur. Uh, I'm sorry to the Wilbur estate, of course, I, I find you delightful. Screenplay by Muriel Roy Bolton, who did My Name is Julia Ross, so there's an old friend, mm-hmm. and Ian mcclellan hunter that's the full lineup dan it's quite a lineup you ready for the one tagline i am ready i mean at least there's that in his eyes the threat of terror in his hands the power to destroy holy shit huh yeah that's pretty epic yeah i mean if you're gonna have one i mean it might as well be that one one to uh rule them all yeah there can be only one. There can be only one tagline for this movie. Oh! <laughs> yeah, holy shit. And before we get started, before I forget, this one is public domain. Mm-hmm. So you guys have no excuse not to watch along. Who did that one, Dan, that you're holding up? This is our friends, or my friend, but maybe not your friend, the film detective. But I will say that this is when they really started upping their game. Because this not only, like, the print looks great, the, the all the artwork looks great. Um, it's Blu-ray and it has a nice booklet. Um, it's really well done. Excellent. Um, so, and a lot of my actual, my fun facts that I have today are from the booklet. Oh, um, shout out to the booklet. Yeah. It's actually a lot. It's more centered towards Turan Bey, uh, who had a very fascinating life. You're uh, talking with, about the Turkish delight, Dan? Yes, I am the very same, but, uh, yeah, great, great package. Uh, highly recommend it. I know it's, you know, like you said, it's public domain, but as we'll get into, I, I think it's definitely worth getting. Well, and you can even find that same print out there. I, I watched yeah. the film Detective Print, you know, public domain like, and uh, it looked fantastic as well. So, well, I'll I'll, I'll spoil one of my fun facts because it's relative to that. The, a- the actual print that they used was Turan Bay's personal print. Wow! 
Wow. Okay. So it was actually, it was sold to a collector and the collector basically let them borrow it to make the scan. So straight from the, the man himself. Straight from the tap. Not too shabby. Yep. So pretty cool. Also cool is this is another lightning quick movie. Mm-hmm. So that means another lightning quick episode. Sorry if you like listening to the lads. We just don't have the time for you this month, Tom. I was going to say it, it's it's light in length, but I actually have a lot of fun facts for you. So, so I'm glad to hear that because yeah. it, it seemed pretty sparse in the real world. But this booklet seems to be making up for it. So I'm, I'm glad to hear that you got the exclusive. Lots of lots of interesting stuff. Yeah, a lot, lot of cool stuff about this movie. Well, let's neither dilly nor dally and let's just get right into it. There's a, a lot packed into this little uh, wallop of a film. Mm-hmm. We open on the water. Apparently, it's the Pacific Coast. Mm-hmm. And a voice says, what's that, Dan? Red Sea? Red oh, it's saying Christine. Christine. <laughs> Red Sea. That's all I kept hearing at first. <laughs> I mean, it's a, it's a creepy and and weird voice but very effective the atmosphere yeah you're you're definitely in the zone right off the bat and i would say you don't leave it uh ever she goes out to the balcony of this mansion that she lives in it's a beautiful place by the way Mm -hmm. and then uh there's a nice little fake out with a shadow of what looks like a gun coming from behind but it's just a hairbrush and her sister janet nothing to worry about one of the best psychouts ever like i love it i forgot about it it's been a while since i watched this one and and i i forgot about it because it's like every film noir of that era has that moment and you're like wait okay here it comes yeah and then then it's like nope actually no just brush your hair uh (laughs) so christine or or chris because you know we're on a friendly level with her the lads they make nice uh she Mm -hmm. heard a man's voice and her sister doesn't believe her though of course she's like you know it's just naturally the sounds from the ocean as as it happens they they sound like men sometimes but she Mm -hmm. thinks it was paul who is her dead husband he died two years ago his picture appears quite a bit during this little uh, scene. And uh, she talks to the camera a couple times, which is very bizarre. Mm-hmm. I was <laughs> very taken yeah. aback by that. And someone wants to marry Chris. You know, he, some some guy we're, we're going to meet. His name is Martin. He's interested in her. Uh, He's very practical. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yes. Practical Martin, indeed. Uh Speaking of which, he calls in to say he's running late. They have a date they're supposed to go on, but someone came into his office and he can't come pick her up, which you think is going to play into something, but it doesn't. And another fake out, I suppose. And Chris is totally cool with this. She's like, yeah, that's fine. I'll walk. It's a beautiful night. I'll get to walk by the, the talking beach. I could maybe figure some of this stuff out. So she does. And, and that's beautifully shot as well. Uh, just a perfect looking movie, which is so great that there's a nice restoration of it. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean... I guess now we can point out who the cinematographer was, right? Yeah, go for it. Yeah, it's it's the great John Alton, um, yes. which I both love and dread when we cover these movies because there's just too many excellent shots to have for screen captures. So it, it this makes one's going to be job, interesting. It makes my job very difficult uh, in a good way. In a good way, because yeah, anytime we can make your job difficult, Dan, that's a good thing. So. Yes, it's beautifully shot. I mean, there's so many intriguing shots and light and and darkness, and that's that's his you know specialty. But yeah, I mean, it's amazing from, from butt to gut. This thing looks perfect. Yeah, yeah, just can't recommend it enough. Even if you're like, I don't like this movie, just pop it on mute, put it on in the background. The atmosphere it's, is gonna do it. Yeah, it's beautiful. Speaking of atmosphere, so yeah, we're at this nice, very spooky beach atmosphere. It, it once again is saying Red Sea, and she goes down to investigate. 
she runs into this very creepy bird, which is going to raven, I believe. Right. I believe it is a raven. Yeah. Yes. And, you know, ravens, ravens doing raven things. That's what they do. And then out of nowhere pops out a man, the Turkish delight himself. He says his name is Alexis and he's mm-hmm. a psychic consultant. In fact, he has a business card that says so and everything. Yeah, he's legit. Apparently too legit to quit. He seems to know this bird as well, and he's got cool psychic consultant things to say, like, you know, things about her life. And eventually it leads up to him saying, hey, don't marry Martin. Just FYI, that guy sucks. And I can see it psychically. And she's pretty taken by the whole thing. And then Martin appears and Alexis disappears. Yeah. (laughs) It's very weird. (laughs) Very, very weird. And now they head back to Chris's place because her dress got torn during this whole hullabaloo. She's going to fix it. And Martin's like, hey, let's be wild. Let's just stay in tonight. And uh, he makes the mistake of playing Paul's favorite prelude, which mm. is Chopin's fourth prelude from Opus 28 and E minor, Dan. Obviously. Obviously. I think we all knew that on the tip of our tongue. I'm sorry to insult the listeners. Yeah, didn't even need to Shazam in or anything. No, I'm like, how about you in Shazam right now? <laughs> I, I had to go in and, t- you know, put it on the old turntable myself, the Victrola. I gave it yeah. a spin. Crank. <laughs> I can picture it now. Love making crank references. I, I, if only some of them made it earlier on the show. Yes. But... <laughs> I caught that. <laughs> Thank you, Dan. That's I was trying not to acknowledge it. I do the show for you, so that's all I give a shit about. This opus, this prelude, it, it puts her to pieces, though. And Martin is not cool about any of that. He's like, hey, your husband died two years ago. That's enough time to be completely over it. You should be ready to marry a person. Yeah. What's your problem? (laughs) And so she's like, oh, uh, I can see that you're into me. And she's able to like bring out because earlier her and her sister were like, oh, obviously, Martin wants to marry you. Like, do you want to marry this guy? And she's like, yeah, I don't know, I guess. (laughs) Whatever. whatever. And so she's just like, oh, by the way, like, uh, are you trying to would you like to be with me? And like brings out his whole clunky marriage proposal from him. And it all goes fine, I guess. He's like, oh, yeah, I have a ring for you. Who yeah. knew? Cool. Paul, Paul's painting sternly looks on in disapproval, you know? Yeah. Chris is sleeping and she hears whispers and music, which brings her back out to the balcony and the wind comes in. It blows down Paul's picture and blows away her engagement ring. It's a wind with something to say, apparently. Yeah. And things stay very spooky. And then a fucking ghost wedding gown appears and just goes right after her. So cool. Uh, that's very, very cool and effectively done and, and not expected. But yeah, boy, if you needed to know why we're here, atmosphere is not enough. Right, Dan? We got to throw some ghosts on here. Oh, yeah. No, this was this was like first order of business when I knew it, when when this month was coming up for me. I knew that, that this one had to be in. There. I almost want to say it was a carryover from last year, too. Like we just didn't get to it. But yeah, it was on the list like this. And obviously you see a movie like this, you know, this is a Halloween essential like. Oh, yeah, I get, I get it. No, no questions it's here, sir. Perfect. Yeah, perfect mix. So Janet hears Chris is screaming and she comes to run into the room and she finds Chris on the floor and she tells Janet what happened. But everything in the room seems to be where it was supposed to be. And Janet just thinks, you know, hey, it's just nerves. Things are pretty crazy right now. It's going to be OK. Yeah, dress is just coming out of nowhere. <laughs> Yeah, as they do. We've all had that dream. And, oh yeah, uh, the door, the <laughs> closet door opened up, and that's what you saw. <laughs> Those spooky closet doors, I tell you, I just keep them locked the whole month of October. I'm not yeah. risking it. No, all, thank you. 
all year for me. Not bad, even just locked over. Who yeah. needs a closet, right? Yeah. Yeah. Just keep them empty and lock it up. Yeah. Walk in closet, walk out closet. Yeah, it's more like it. There we go. That's all my closet material. Uh, so <laughs> Chris thinks that, <laughs> hey, maybe this Alexis fellow, the psychic, can help out. He could sort this whole thing out. But for now, she's too scared to sleep alone. And Janet's a good sister, so she hops right in. You know, it's very nice. You can see they have a, a great relationship this whole mm-hmm. time, despite yeah. the uh, hairbrush gun fake outs, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it looks like a menacing pre- you know, presence at first, but no, they're, they're never at odds, really. If anything, mm-hmm. anytime, you know, Janet's acting a little out of sorts, it's really just for Chris's own good. You know, she's looking out for a sis. Mm-hmm. The next day, Chris heads over to Alexis's headquarters that was listed on the card and immediately is greeted by the bird which opens the door to his cool office mm-hmm. and uh, naturally she really buys what he's selling how could you not we are and she goes to see him on the regular to the dismay of janet and martin they've been spying on her and they decide that they're gonna hire a private detective named hoffman and they're gonna mm-hmm. look into this whole alexis thing hoffman is a character detective hoffman harry mendoza he used to be a magician and he does a ton of close up card tricks, which is a lot of fun. You know, he gets the cards out of the mouth. Everyone loves that one. Yeah, that that's why he does the the uh, finger and the coin. I was trick. about to say he does yeah. the, the coin trick we saw in Martha Ivers. So someone mm-hmm. should go ahead and make that letterbox list for us, please. We're uh, we're amassing a list of all the, uh, the Who coin knew? tricks. That's a Hollywood staple, just running or a Halloween staple, rather, just running the finger coin trick. Everybody's mm-hmm. favorite. Do you know any magic tricks, Dan? Um, no. <laughs> How about you? No. Also, I would like to. I feel like that's a YouTube rabbit hole worth going down. I remember, like in elementary school, they made us learn magic tricks to do like a magic day. That's I interesting. Did, I did some card trick. I already forgot how to do. Never got that in my education, so that's that's interesting. This was back in the day, you know. Like, yeah, they needed to waste our time in elementary school yeah. type of thing. They were I mean, out of I, options at that point. They're, <laughs> oh, my God. I mean, we were all just bored out of our minds. But I yeah. remember I, I used a really cool set of X-Men playing cards. So There you go. That's that's the one thing I remember. Not the trick, just how dope those cards were. Do you still have them? No, no. <sighs> all my uh, playing cards are done digital now. And by that, I mean solitaire. That's fair. Still the greatest game ever invented, in my opinion. Pretty solid. It is. Too solid. <laughs> <laughs> anyways this hoffman guy he thinks he knows this alexis as someone who got busted in chicago for something similar they just need to get some fingerprints and confirm it so janet goes undercover and she goes to alexis's place and here's you get to see all the smoke and mirrors and behind the curtains and like literal yeah, false the, mirrors and yeah he's got that false mirror that has like the turn style uh like writing table like yeah and you like write a note of like what do you want to know and write a name or something and then yeah yeah he he, it switches around and he pulls out like the negative of it like the you know under it Mm -hmm. to see what they actually wrote so he has that ahead of time so at this point we know okay this guy is is bullshitting he's yeah he's he's a con artist yeah of some sort so that would be the difference between our last movie and this movie is this isn't happening. But for two seconds, when I saw a ghost gown, I'm like, wow, two supernatural movies. Interesting. Yeah. And it's and it's kind of flipped because, yeah, I mean, in this one, you know, for the most part through the film, I mean, yeah, they're trying to disprove him. But for a while, they don't. And it's believable. And then in, in the other one, Eric Robinson, like they can't believe him. But yeah. he actually does have this power. Exactly. Know, it's, it, it's 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 interesting. 
and they were released the same year. It was a big. I think there were there was definitely at this point in the forties for sure. There was definitely like a, a an awareness and a um you know people were very interested in like the occult and you know this kind of spiritualist kind of thing. And I'll get to into that a little bit later Ooh. in the the fun facts just briefly. But yeah, I think there was definitely like an interest in it at the time. So that's why I think they were capitalizing. I think people were interested in that topic. Well, and it's a good timing for it because so much had already been done with the genre. It's like the perfect timing to, mm-hmm. you know, see what else you could, what kind of spins you could put on it. Mm-hmm. Way to go, 1948. And there's actually a, a, speaking of that, I watched part of it, but there's actually a bonus feature on the Blu-ray called Mysteries Exposed Inside the Cinematic World of Spiritualism. And they talk mm. about that and in the post-war context. So mm-hmm. I, I didn't didn't get a chance to watch the whole thing. It's been it's been a busy week, but um it's an interesting little side side thing that they do have on there. So, so it's cool. cool that they they kind of threw that in there to give you some more context. These features sound very good than the booklet. I'm looking forward to racing through this plot just to figure out what the fun facts are. Yeah. Like I said, it's it's I'm it's ready to learn. Little, definitely one of the one of the best. Uh I, I have quite a few film detective one. It's definitely one of, if not my favorite editions. Cool. Yeah, it's definitely definitely solid. Very nice. So yeah, anyways, we're we're at Alexis's place. Janet's undercover, and Alexis comes out and does a shtick on Janet, and then he reveals he knows exactly who the fuck she is. She's not getting one over on him. Are you excited? Nervous? No. Oh, but of course, this problem is troubling you. The, the question you wrote comes to me, but but faintly, almost as though it were false but another question comes through with all the power and strength of love and truth you are concerned about someone you love a woman your sister is it your sister yes older than you but still you have a maternal protective feeling about her in many ways you are more mature than she golly I'm glad somebody finally realized that. Of course, you didn't always feel that way. Once you were jealous of her. You envied her popularity in her pretty clothes, and you used to try them on when she went out. And this suited you because there is an air of of maturity and sophistication about you. In many ways, especially intellectually, you are much older than the many young men who admire you. You know, I'd noticed that. Does this feel uncomfortable to you? It works. Like, her, what he does work. She's totally on board. And speaking of board, you see Martin and Hoffman in the car just wondering what the hell is taking so long. Mm-hmm. Eventually, she comes out to them and is like, hey, Alexis rules. And She's under his spell. So and I got those fingerprints, but I got rid of them because this guy's great. We don't need those fingerprints. He's not guilty. I love this guy. <laughs> yeah, this, this fucking guy. I love him, too. Shout out, shout out to Teron Bay. He's, he's fantastic. Back inside the Raven, it brings Alexis a smoke. And we meet his girlfriend, Vivian, who here's, here's my one criticism. Mm. Vivian just comes and goes. <laughs> she doesn't even come back in any way after this. But she helps him out with these schemes. And she was able to get, uh, I mean, she she plays a huge part now. But other than that, she never pops up again. Mm-hmm. She, she's able to, you know, while he was talking with Janet, go and to the, her stuff and, and got a picture of the girls' parents. So they're going to mm-hmm. hold a seance so they can bring this whole scheme to a close. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't bother me that much. I mean, it just this is just like a little bit of a 
it, it kind of bridges the gap of like telling the audience like, yeah, he really is the fraud. This is how this is happening. This is how he's getting that information. But it, it feels like it's not super consequential to have her back a lot. So no, but it. It, it almost was to the point where it's just like they didn't even need to bring her in. But I mean, I guess that's how you get a picture of the parents. I don't know. It just it it seemed yeah. like she was hyped in such a way that I don't know. She mm. never came back. It, it's not to his detriment. I just thought that was yeah. interesting that she popped up. But Janet tries to get Chris not to go to the seance. And she reveals that she went to go see Alexis. Then Chris is she runs off as a result of this information. And Janet runs after her. And we see some shadowy eyes looking from the outside at this point. Mm-hmm. Wonder who those could be interesting. But the, the girls show up at Alexis's place and he begins the seance. Uh, he says, seance. Yeah. <laughs> he says it very fun. And they do it around this crystal ball and he ties his hands up and gets himself locked into a box. But in the chair that he's in, he like has a little switch to flip that uh, slips him out into this control room, which is <laughs> very, very cool. cool. <laughs> the way they show like the, the smoke and mirrors is just awesome and like really well done. So yeah, he's able to make a hand appear, which reaches at them and and kind of fucks with them a little bit. And then their father's face appears and looks very strange, then floats away. Hands playing pianos appear like it's it's a whole sequence. It's it's a seance. All right. Yeah, he had a lot of prep. And also, I want to mention real quick that there's there's some really cool upward shots. Like there's one it's like not a huge deal to the plot, but there's one where they're like in front of a sink. Mm-hmm. And, and it's like facing like up towards the faucets and then there's one later where it's like looking up from the the crystal ball oh. um and it's just really i don't know it's just really fascinating I, you know choices for that i don't know it's just very it's very different i mean that's the name of the game here absolutely yeah, it's, it's a very very unique film uh, you see paul's weird head he looks the strangest paul's head and then the lights turn on and martin and hoffman are there they, they sound like a duo martin and hoffman when you, you put it like that Alexis like runs a- back from the controls. Oh, yeah, it could be a good vaudeville act, right? Is that what you're trying to say? I was going to say, well, that or I was going to say like a good like crime fighting duo, like a TV show, like in folk like duo, 50 or 60s, you know, crime fighting folk duo. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe they're like they're in Greenwich Village and undercover PIs. Yeah, could be. That would be an interesting. I'd watch that show. Now airing on CBS, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was going to say, so yeah, CBS would be the one. They're all over this project already. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, the lights turn on. They're there. Alexis just kind of like whoop, 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 whoops back into the control box thing. He flips the switch and just like reties his hands. Uh, and he's like, mm-hmm. oh, I was here the whole time. What are you talking about? Yeah, and, I, was, uh, I was deep in concentration contacting. How dare spirits. you? Yeah, I'm, I'm at work here, gentlemen. And, you know, Hoffman's snooping around. And there's a nice scene where like Alexis is like looking at him as like the other guys are talking. And Hoffman's like feeling around on the chair and like he's getting so close to that switch. And that's his whole thing. He's like Hoffman's like, hey, he's the perfect guy because it's like, oh, I'm a magic detective. You know, like I know these guys. Yeah. At first, mm-hmm. it seems like the worst possible person to hire. But no, no, no. This is who you need. But he yeah. doesn't he doesn't find it. Thankfully, Martin gets calls right him away. up to it. Yeah. And, miss, and then and then they're like, all right, come on, let's go. Let's go. And then they're like, hey, let's not go. Actually, let's force Alexis to conduct another seance with us in the room. Wouldn't that be interesting? Mm-hmm. And he can't go into his little control room. We won't lock him in the box. And, you know, the first is looking like, uh oh, the jig is up. But yeah. then the music plays and Paul's voice comes and appears. And Alexis is confused. He's like, I didn't do this. It's like, what what's fuck? going on? Yeah. And then Paul comes out of the hashtag fog cast and, yeah. and then disappears.
Christine. You see? Christine. It's Paul. It's his voice. I didn't mean to frighten you ever. But I had to get through to you somehow. I've always loved you. You know that. Yes, Paul. And if you could only believe, we could be together for always. There wasn't anybody out there. Twenty years, there's never anything like this. Really cool shot. Um, yeah. talk about great shots with the light kind of projecting behind him and through the darkness. Yeah. I mean, this whole sequence, it's just so great looking. Um, I mean, just seeing them in the shadows during the seance, it's all just top notch. Toppest of the tops. Alexis tells everyone to fuck off and he pours himself a very well-earned drink. Yeah. Um, something, something weird is going on in front of the mirror and just in time for Paul to pop up again. No spit takes. Sadly, I was a little disappointed about that. Yeah. But can't you- win them all. Exactly. But it will reflect in my final score. Uh-oh. <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. And Paul's like, hey, guess what? I uh, I faked my own death. Isn't that fun? And I need money. I, I don't love my wife. I didn't really get into why he didn't like his wife. Did, did they get into that? They don't really. Um, I, I think they probably felt it just didn't really matter. I mean, he seems like he's just kind of a jerk anyway. It, it seems like she obviously has way more affection and love for him than he does for her. I think it, it seemed like he was just kind of not necessarily conning her. I mean, he cons her trying to con her now, but I mean, that could very well have been the case or maybe he was just marrying her for the money. You it's know, almost like he didn't even think it through. He's just like, I've had it. I'm just faking my death. And he's like, yeah. Oh shit. I didn't like save up any money before I did this. Whoops. I think they kind of, I don't know if he says it or if they kind of like hint at the fact that like, whatever money he did have, he kind of blew it on other women or other, other things. And now it's like in the last two years. And now he's like, okay, now I need to come back. The reason I'm coming back now is like, I'm out of money. Like I need to get more money. That's, that's how I took it. That makes sense. I hate exposition myself. So who needs this <laughs> stuff? <laughs> so he's like, and also I need your help, Alexis, and I'll fucking kill you and blackmail you. If you don't help me out, dude. Because remember, I'm dead. No, I'm dead. Which is kind of a cool, like, I mean, you, like, you actually, like, as the audience, I'm like, oh man, like, he's kind of got him in a way. Like, how's he? How you gonna get out of that? A hundred percent. He had perfect timing on this one because it's not like he like coordinated this thing. He just got so lucky that this like psychic guy just popped up and was like, oh, perfect. I could use you as as part of my plan because he doesn't want to go back to his wife. He's like, you're gonna marry Janet, the sister. She's available. Do that and. I'll take care of my ex-wife or my current wife. Who knows the situation? And that goes fine for Alexis. He's able to cozy up to Janet. I mean, she was already pretty into him. And he genuinely likes her as well. They get very close and they're, they're talking on the beach. And meanwhile, as that's happening, Paul keeps up with his mental terrorism on Chris and draws her out to a cliff where she falls in a spectacular fashion. Yeah. Uh, very spinny. Was she like drugged? Like, why was she... Yeah, that's the one thing that I like. I mean, they're trying to convey that she's kind of out of it. So I, I wonder if it's just like they're Longer. trying to convey that she's in this kind of like stupor because she's like seeing him and and she's just like not in the right frame of mind. Like that's yeah. 
that's the impression that I got. I, I mean, it makes it look like she's drugged, but I don't think she is. I think it's just, just like the surrealness of how is my dead husband calling me and like I'm going to him. Like it's just like this ear. They're trying to just give off this eerie vibe, and that's the effects. You know, like, the that's choice. What they have to use. Yeah, that was that, and the other the you know, did he like his wife? Those are my only two main questions of this movie, but nothing big. Yeah, um, Seventy minutes, man. They gotta. It's, we got no time for love on it, you know? So yeah, she falls. Janet and Alexis are able to see this from below. And I mean, she falls. I mean, it is a cliff it is huge. She takes a spinning, serious tumble, but she survives. Okay. <laughs> Whatever. Alexis is there to save the day. Yeah, as we find out, you know, you really see a, a turnaround of his character, which is interesting. Yeah. And, and nice. Martin shows up, or our old friend Martin, he he goes to see Janet, and Alexis answers the door, and he's like, nobody wants to see you, dude, you gotta get out of here, but he's able to stay and, and talk to Janet, who fills him in on the spill, and Alexis slips down to the basement, Chris is trying to sleep one off, but Paul is also in the basement, and he's using audio equipment to fuck with her some more, mm-hmm. and once Martin leaves, because he goes to check in on Chris with Janet, and then they hear the door close and they're like, okay, they both left. But Janet is still in the room, actually, with her sister. And they resume the torment. Janet hears it. She's like, I'm not going crazy. What the fuck is that? Yeah, what is that? Yeah. She busts them. She finds speakers in the fireplace and goes to find Alexis in the basement, finds the entire operation. And Alexis is like, yo, you should try to, you got to get out of here. But yeah. Paul appears and he's crazy and he's willing to kill. So he knows he has to take out Janet. He pulls a gun on her. But Alexis, the man of the hour, he saves her and he flips the motherfucker, which is <laughs> fun. Great, and yeah. and uh, there's a long struggle. Janet calls Martin, not the cops, interestingly enough. Yeah, that, that I was just like, I don't know what she's doing. Yeah, but... Fuck Martin. He's not the guy. Yeah. And she gets Alexis shot basically as a result of this. Paul cuts the phone line as well. So she doesn't mm-hmm. even get that call out. It's, it's useless. Yeah. Janet runs up to get Chris and they run off. Paul is there, though. He's got his gun and he's aiming to shoot the ladies. But Alexis, once again, saves the day, cuts the lights and reveals over the speakers like, hey, I'm still alive, motherfucker. Let's do this thing. So Paul heads down to the basement and Alexis buys some time, gets Paul to to shoot at him a ton and thinks he's out of bullets. But Paul reveals he's like, hey, dude, I have one more bullet. What what, what are you doing? Your count is, is so bad. I'm going to shoot you with this bullet. But then the cops show up. So he shoots his last shot at them. He misses and mm-hmm. they gun him the fuck down. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Poor Alexis is dying. You know, he's, he's dying one of those deaths where you're like, he did a little bit of bad, but, you know, you still got to make up for it in the end. Yeah, there's some redemption there. Yeah. Yeah. Janet is sad about this. They share a very nice moment. And then the raven shows up and he sets his fine feathered friend free to fly over the endless ocean and into the warm infinity the end wow wow indeed so what do you what do you think i had a hell of a good time with this one uh nine out of ten cool ass birds man i this was wow. this was perfect this is the one to beat right now honestly awesome yeah I'm, I'm i'm really glad you liked it yeah i i i had a feeling i i, I honestly I, I didn't feel that confident but just like watching this again i i knew because it's been a while, like i said it's been a while since i watched it but watching it again i loved it just as much if not more look even if it was a piece they, of shit which it's not it's yeah looks fantastic so i mean you know right. it, it, you'd have to be pretty heartless not to even enjoy the, the visuals of it of this thing but it it just 
it does that that amazing thing that just blows my mind where they just jam pack so much into such a, a short amount of time and it never feels too quick and it never feels too slow you know like it, and it, it works moves, it just it, moves it, along yeah. constantly yeah and there's nothing you know nothing that really uh should be changed you know yeah any no, little I, I things agree. i brought up is meaningless in the, They're in the small, long yeah. run yeah it's it's just little stuff and uh yeah no it, it's just a hell of a good time great yeah i mean you know i've, I've kind of alluded to it earlier but yeah i mean obviously i i love this film like i i think it's a nice it's a, it's just a, it's just a cool film um and, and yeah and like we said eagle lion i i have such an affinity for eagle lion because i feel like any film noir that i've seen from them is just always just the same deal it's like just fascinating twists on things that you yeah. don't expect and they're done very quickly and very cheaply and it's mm -hmm. just very just the way they 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 churned out these just fascinating movies always just bring brings me in every time they know what they're doing um if an eagle lion film is, is on the docket you, you know you're in for something for sure exactly all right let's get fun okay you ready i, I got quite a bit so <laughs> i'm ready i hope i hope you're sitting down uh um, hold on hold on okay and i'm sitting down okay cool so first one i found actually carol landis um who our listeners might remember from i wake up screaming ah! yeah she was actually originally scheduled to play the part of lynn barry who is christine um but she committed suicide a few days before shooting began hey yeah yeah which is really really a bummer that's very tragic man she she uh she should have held on if only just to do such a cool movie yeah, it's yeah, it's definitely a bummer. But Lynn um, Barry really stepped it up. Yeah, I think she, I think she's good. I think she's good in the in the part. Couple days notice, <laughs> pretty great. Yeah, job. stepping in. Yeah. So as we we talked about earlier, so the film was originally called The Spiritualist. It was originally actually brought to PRC in 1947 with Crane Wolber, the actual guy that wrote it, was slated to direct as oh. well. And PRC as Crane you know, Wilbur, Dan. I can't get over this name. I know. I'm glad I can bring it back up again. I don't remember if we laughed at it the last time he came up, but we probably did. I hope so. Someone tell oh. us if we did. If not, we need to re-record that episode. Crane Wilbur. I'm sure at least you did. I hope so, because <laughs> <laughs> Crane Wilbur. I'll say it again. I'm sorry. Continue. That's okay. So eventually the project was acquired by Eagle Lion Films as a vehicle for Tehran Bay. Uh, who was still who was under contract uh, at that point uh, with Eagle Lion, and then Bernard Vorhaus was to direct, and then a couple of different guys. Obviously, we get into some of the. There's multiple people that wrote for it, and I think it was. Yeah, there's a lot of like like uh, rewrites. I think right. There was yeah. So there was a bunch of different rewrites, and then they hired a couple of different guys, including Ian McLellan Hunter, uh, who rewrote the script in a week, apparently. Um, this reminds me of Ian McKellen every time. Yes, I think the same thing. <laughs> Filming actually started in uh, January 5th of 1948. And according to the director, Vorhas, the shoot went for three weeks. So they did this wow. film in three weeks. Wow. And I'll kind of get into it more later, but uh, Teron Bay actually said that this was his favorite film he ever appeared in. Wow. Um, which I, I think I can kind of kind of see. I mean, I think it, as we've kind of alluded to, it's definitely... And one of the interesting things that I, I learned through the booklet is that, I mean, this was his first top build movie ever. Like he'd oh, always wow. been not even second fiddle. He's always been kind of like even third fiddle in a lot of movies, especially uh, pre-World War II. Mm -hmm. um, and he would be in a lot of just kind of like adventure epics and a couple different other types of roles. Um, but this was his first like, oh, he's this is his vehicle. So to well, promote- beep, beep, he drove it well. Yeah, he did for sure. 
Um, so to promote the film in New York, they actually entertained press members with a private seance. And this is all according <laughs> to cool. uh, Don Stradley. A, lo a lot of these facts coming up. Don Stradley is the writer who wrote the booklet. Again, great booklet, a lot of information. But yeah, rumors actually spread that Bay refused to fly unless his personal astrologer assured him of clear skies. Wow. He also endorsed a home spiritualist set, which included a crystal ball. Uh, so no one could do, I'm sorry, so one could do psychic tricks and friends. Um, so interesting that, you know, he kind of plays that, you know, charlatan kind of character, but then he also kind of <laughs> pedals and endorses <laughs> these, these same things uh, in real life, which is, is fascinating. So uh, interesting fact as well, relative to another uh, big name star, uh, in 1944, a couple years before this film came out, Bay actually made headlines for slugging Lana Turner's ex-husband, Stephen Crane, at a party on North Cannon Drive. Hell yeah. Um, yeah well, he was involved with Lana Turner, right? He at was, which I, I, I will get to, yeah. So the incident earned him the nickname the Terrible Turk at the time. Wow. That was another one. That was his nickname, um, or at least one of them. The romance between Bay and Turner uh, was one of the hot gospel items at the time, around 44, 45. Bay actually received his draft notice in 1945 and Turner hosted a farewell party for him. And they even hinted that there might be a wedding in the future. So you're thinking, oh, wow, that's interesting. However, in a, within a few weeks after he was drafted and went in, Oof. yeah, uh, actor uh, Rory Calhoun was seen around town with Lana Turner. So cold blooded. Uh, I think they ended up getting married. So wrote to Rory. So yeah, it didn't really work out. So when he came back, when Bay came back from the war, uh, he ended up having a, a kind of a tougher time getting movies. And he even said at one point that he was, quote, kicked out of Universal in 1947. And the reason that was being is he refused to play a character described in the film as, quote, fat and greasy. Oh, geez. And that was his quote, which led to his contract being sold to Eagle Lion and ended up being in the role, which is was called originally the spiritualist. And it was double billed with 1922's Nanook of the North, which is a very fascinating double bill. And getting to now to the spiritualist itself, um, upon its release, Eagle Lion was actually barraged with letters from actual spiritualists at the time that they thought that the profession was being smeared by this movie. Because you have, again, you have this kind of charlatan. I would say uh, so. Yeah, yeah, that's accurate. Right. So that's why they end up changing the name to Amazing Mr. X. So, you know, the thought is that they got enough mail saying like, hey, like, don't use this like you're disparaging us. That that's a shame because studio, I mean I yeah. like the title The Amazing Mr. X, but I mean it doesn't have shit to do with this movie. Like the spiritualist, you know, is is a better title for the picture itself, you know. Yeah, I mean the Alexa is Alexis. Like I mean, there's that, you know. I, I think that's what it's, they're, and they're trying but to. But he's make never X like called like, that ambiguous. in the movie, you know, like right. whatsoever. I mean that that's a pretty big implication, you know. Right, but yeah, I get it. I get it for sure. So he actually, and then after this movie came out, he was in a couple of small roles, but he kind of disappeared for a really long time. And uh, he, he came back in the 90s and appeared in various roles uh, in TV and film, including on Murder, She Wrote and Babylon 5. Um, oh, so, wow. you know, much later in life, uh, you know, he kind of resurrected his career, you know, career to an extent. As I mentioned earlier, the, uh, the print that Film Detective used and then the one that you might have seen was used from Bay's actual collection. It was sold to a... A collector so it's really cool that they're able to do that director bernard vorhas was blacklisted in hollywood for his communist sympathies and returned to england uh, where he resumed his career over there eagle lion was ultimately very happy with the film however vorhas turned down the next movie they offered him i married a communist the company actually terminated his association with him and what's fascinating about that movie is obviously 
you know, one of the reasons why he probably turned it down is because he was blacklisted because he has common. That's so what I'm thinking. He, yeah. Why would he direct this basically this you know, propaganda film? But what's interesting about that film is when that was getting shopped around, I think it was Howard Hughes was shopping that film around. It was kind it kind of came like not an open secret, but it was basically used to try to root out communists in, oh, in, the, in Hollywood. So basically they're shopping it around and trying to see like who it who gets like squirmy about it. And they actually and a bunch of people uh, like I think they said up to uh, one of the directors said up to 13 directors passed on it Wow! Uh, until finally somebody picked it up. And what's ironic is they ended up changing the name because audience didn't even like it that much at the time. So they changed it to the woman on Pier 13. Uh, <laughs> Robert Ryan's in the film. Uh, oh, wow. It's it's interesting. Like, I've never seen it. It's it seems like a very it seems like the, the backstory is more fascinating in the film. But it is a, a Warner Archive DVD, one of the earlier ones where it has that kind of like nondescript blue yeah and they had like a little small pictures so you know maybe down the down the line lynn barry uh the one star actually has two stars on the hollywood walk of fame one for movies and one for television which is very interesting she had a pretty lengthy uh TV you have to career. pay for those you know yeah so, so she, yeah someone bought her two stars yeah which is pretty wild and the last thing i had i mean it's not necessarily a, a fun fact but i i do really like kathy o'donnell she uh janet burke in the film yeah she she played janet and she was also in What's it called? They Live by Night. Um, mm-hmm. She's also in a bunch of other uh, film noir, including Bury Me Dead, which was also directed by uh, Bernard Vorhaas. And I think the cinematographer for that, for that movie was also John Alton, too. So, yeah. Hmm. Um, so kind of a, a similar crew. I've always wanted to see that one. I've never seen it. And uh, also, she was in Side Street as well, another film noir. I'm sure that won't come up ever. But yeah, those are the Not fun facts time. I have. I know I kind of, I kind of rattled off a lot because I did have a lot, but hopefully that like I said, the booklet has a lot of those in there. Um, so shout out to uh, the uh, the writer of that. I think I mentioned his name earlier, Don Stradley. But yeah, great, great little little uh, piece. A lot more in there about Toronto Bay's life. Um, I kind of I kind of you know gave a general overview, but they gave some he gave some more other tidbits. So definitely a very fascinating guy, and and seemed like he was well liked by a lot of his co stars. They said he was very suave, very nice, and just they like tell him. he's a cool motherfucker for sure. Right, and they feel I feel like a lot of them kind of there's this kind of sense that like he definitely deserved more like it, it seemed like he kind of got like the short end a lot um and and he, he definitely yeah i mean he had a deserving. big hiatus before he came back to the tv in the 90s right. i mean it's a lot of lost time and and lost roles that you know deserve to spotlight such an interesting actor for sure right yeah i mean like i said i mean he he was kind of playing you know third fourth fifth build roles for some big studios too i mean he was i think he was at universal he did he did some pretty decent sized movies but nothing i think necessarily that like you know, I think kind of coming back to him saying that this one was his favorite film. And and I think you, know, you can kind of see why I think, you know, it's like his real his first top build movie. I think he does a great job in it. I'm sure he would probably have said the same thing. I think he I think he probably did, actually. Um, Except for the ending. He said he biffed the ending. Yeah. But I disagree with that, honestly. I think he's been yeah, a little too hard on himself. I think it's interesting, too, that uh, Ian McKellen <laughs> Hunter uh, was also blacklisted, you know, so mm-hmm. you got he was. He was the one who was uh, credited for Roman Holiday for Dalton Trumbo. Also Dalton Trumbo, yeah. Blacklisted. Um, I also saw that the uh, movie was known as The Mystic at one point, hmm. which also would have been an interesting title. And then um, at previews, audiences were laughing at parts of the film, mm. kind of bummed everyone out. But I didn't really find anything too funny. I was having just a, a good time. Yeah, I, I think about that a lot, like watching some of these movies like thinking about how I would have reacted and it's, it's a tough question to answer. I mean, it's impossible to answer, but just thinking about like what audience, how audience would have perceived a lot of these films at the time. 
and it that's it's just a fascinating thing to to think about i i, I think but yeah I, i'm curious i don't know i mean maybe it was just spiritualism and and stuff like that that they were just yeah i mean there's mysticism. some hokiness to it yeah but i mean i like i said it's it's done really well for, especially for like a movie that's like you know it's it's a a b movie you know it's a short b movie like a plus yeah i mean i think the effects and the and cinematography alone are just are, are they solid. hold up they're, yeah they're, they're, they're very good no yeah, I, and as I, far I think... as production value goes can all things considered i mean the budget i forget what the budget was but i i don't yeah think it was three weeks too i mean yeah like, it's you know i mean they're, it's they're always amazing what they do with these things and, and this one was definitely something special and yeah i mean anytime i was laughing was just off of teron bay's charm and when i'm supposed to be laughing you know so laughing at martin love that martin martin and hoffman the my favorite comedic duo they yep. do good work uh all right R well rowan and martin laugh is laughing <laughs> <laughs> we're laughing our way out of this one and then uh ring ring dan i think we need to pick up this call looks like we're gonna stay in 1948 one more time but okay i'm, I'm sorry dan it's a wrong number uh-oh Don't pick it up. Let it ring. This call brings a message of death to the one who must answer it. A call that will plunge you into one of the most startling stories ever told. It rang first over the airways when the initial broadcast of this amazing drama made history. Response was unprecedented. Critics acclaimed it as radio's finest production. Rebroadcast seven times, an all-time record. Sorry, wrong number since then has been recorded made into a best-selling novel, and now... Still don't want to use a gun? Uh-uh, but make sure it's quick. Our client says he doesn't wish to make us suffer long. Don't worry, there won't be no slip-up. What number is this? What am I calling? strange conflict, their even stranger love, brought to its unforeseeable climax in one unforgettable night when a woman overhears the plotting of a murder. But which call has created this perfect pattern of terror? Is it Sally's, who hated her as no other woman could, yet warned her of the danger in that dark, empty house by the sea? Is it Mr. Evans, a voice from nowhere? who told her of the hidden other life of the man she loves? Is it Dr. Alexanders, who discovered her deepest secret and revealed it to the man it affected most? Or is it Henry himself, Henry, who played the most desperate game of all? I want you to get out of that bed and walk to the window. I want you to scream out in the street, Leona. Well, I, I can't. I, I can't move, Henry. I'm too tight. Keep trying. Otherwise, you've only got three more minutes to live. call id so i can't tell who it is so i guess i have to answer well next week we will tell you who's calling so come yeah, back wait. and join us then you included i'll need your help on this one <laughs>
I'll be there. <laughs> All right, I appreciate it. Don't worry, I, I have seen this one before. <laughs> this is one where I've, answered, I've answered, answered this call before. Oh, okay, good. So you you do have caller ID. Yes. That's some quality line, Dan. Speaking of caller ID, let's talk about the caller ID of the, the digital world email. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, you know, because you know who it's coming from. Yeah, I guess that's true. Um, that was my thinking on that. Uh, we have it. How do you do that? It's the real out of the podcast at gmail.com. Oh, that's cool. Hey, Instagram, how do you do that? Uh, that's out of the podcast. Hey, Twitter, how do you do that? That is out of the cast. Hey, podcasts, how do you do that? You just listen to them and then you rate and subscribe. You know, you do all those things. Where would I do that? Uh, wherever podcasts are available. Do I listen? Spotify? Do, do I leave a review? Absolutely. Should I rate? Yes. Is definitely. that an option? I would I would love it if you did. Okay. What do you prefer, a rating or a review? How about both? Whoa. All right. The challenge is out there, Noiros. I say, if you're going to do one, might as well do both. That's what I'm saying. I mean, it's true. One hand washes the other, after all. Exactly. Just like just like our, our podcast. <laughs> we're very clean over here. It's Stick true. and span. Rub Stick and dub. <laughs> Yeah, that's the one. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for sticking with us. We got one more before we're out of Halloween and into insanity beyond that. But uh, in the meantime, here's the spooky crime. Here's the spooky crime. Ah, it got me.